0: Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show. Defrag your mind.
1: Good evening,
2: everyone. I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Greetings, Mavericks and new viewers the world is watching because we have the antivirus programs for your minds so to help defrag those propaganda bombarded brains of ours tonight we'll take a look at uh, these stories Danielle Smith the Premier of Alberta talking about uh, tent cities Alec Baldwin Clashing with some protesters, we'll go to America Fest briefly to take a look at what the new federated or federal state of China has been saying there, making a pretty big splash at that pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-conservative uh, event in Phoenix. And you know, the globalists—they just don't want you breathing. Literally. We'll talk about that. John Kirby will take you to a news conference at the White House, where John Kirby will bring us up to date on what is going on in the Red Sea, where ships are still in jeopardy and the United States Navy is responding. Electric vehicle sales. Today, the federal government in Canada. Laid out in more detail, it's planned to phase out, or should I say ban, electric cars, or electric new electric, or sorry, new gasoline powered car sales by 2035. And billions of dollars for high tech drones, not, uh, not kamikaze drones. We're talking about drones that are capable of aerial combat. And later in, the new, in this broadcast, hopefully, if everything works out, Sean Buckley from the NCI, the National Citizens' Inquiry, will join us to discuss in more detail that NCI final report that looks into the government response to the pandemic. And it also, as you know, contains very extensive recommendations for government, for institutions to help guide us in the future, to help prevent the kinds of mistakes that were made during the pandemic from being repeated. Now, we'll talk to Sean. We'll find out what, if any, response there has been from government since the release of this NCI final report. And I'll tell you right now, that final report is really just the begin beginning of very important things to come. So stay with us. We have a lot on the plate tonight to share with you, a lot on tap. So don't go away. Don't touch that dial. I'll be right back after this.
0: Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda.
3: Together we pull others.
0: Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick, Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. now. Tomorrow, maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News.
1: The, the world is world watching. Is watching.
4: Jingle Bells, Trudeau smells, Biden laid an egg, Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal, but tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone, have a Merry Maverick Christmas and a magnificent New Year.
2: The end is in sight for gas-powered vehicles in Canada. The Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Stephen Guibault, unveiled new regulations requiring a shift to battery-operated cars, trucks, and SUVs today. He refined the government message For the public today, automakers are given a 12 year window to phase out combustion engine vehicles, gradually increasing the proportion of electric models each year. This move fulfills a commitment made by the liberal government over two years ago to eliminate the sale of combustion engine passenger vehicles by 2035, receiving praise from environmental groups and raising red flags and signaling alarm bells from others automakers, however, express skepticism with regard to this asserting the need for additional measures to promote electric car adoption, such as more charging stations and increased government rebates. So Gibo announced the final regulations for the electric vehicle availability standard at George Brown college in Toronto. Uh, The regulations stipulate that by 2026, one in five vehicles introduced to the Canadian market must be battery electric or longer range plug-in hybrids rising to 23% in 2027. The percentage of electric vehicles will increase significantly each year, reaching 100% by 2035. Gas-powered vehicles sold before 2035 will remain on the roads, but no new ones will be added. Currently, about one in 10 new vehicles registered in 2023 is electric, with the goal of doubling EV sales within the next three years. Let's go to that news conference now with Stephen Guibault at George Brown College. We'll bring you up to date with what
5: he has to say here, and away we go climate goals. As part of that strategy, we have a comprehensive plan to build a robust electric vehicle supply chain and supporting infrastructure. Today, we're announcing the next step in this plan, the electric vehicle availability standard that drives Canada towards all new light-duty vehicle sales in Canada to be electric or plug-in hybrid by 2035. This includes the interim goals along the way, beginning with 20 percent of all new vehicle sales, be EVs by 2026. The standard tackles one of the main barriers to people buying EVs, the limited availability and long wait time. We will do this by ensuring more electric cars come to the Canadian market instead of the U.S. or other markets that have similar targets. It ensures Canadians have access to our fair share of the global supply of these vehicles. Since we started consulting on this, the new electric vehicle availability standard now includes an early credit system to help automakers comply by encouraging them to get more EVs on the market as early as possible, and and even next year, and to build more charging infrastructure. This will also help Canadians with the cost of living. EVs are quickly reaching cost parity with their gas-powered alternatives as new model of electric sedans, trucks, SUVs, crossover and more keep coming on the market. Almost all industry projections show that by the end of the the decade at the latest, the purchase price of gas-powered and electric cars will be about the same. The Government of Canada offers purchase incentives to help close the gap on new EVs. Many provinces and territories offer these purchase incentives as well. And once you drive the car off the lot, the saving on fueling and maintenance costs are enormous. For example, let's take the comparison of standard gas-powered hatchback compared to EV's alternative with current market price, like the ones we have here. Over a 10-year span, the gas-powered car costs you over $82,000 during its lifetime, but an electric car would only cost about $50,000. That's over $30,000 in savings for Canadians. That's because the electricity you buy to power your electric vehicle is much cheaper than gasoline and not subject to the volatility of international oil prices. And the maintenance cost of EVs are a fraction of internal combustion cars. The benefits from electric vehicles go beyond savings, saving the climate and consumer cost. They also mean sustainable, sustainably cleaner and healthier hair. We've known for a long time that air pollution from gas-powered vehicles has detrimental health effects and increases the risk of serious illness in children and older people. Imagine a world in which there was no pollution from car smog. What a difference that would make to our quality of life. It is a very exciting prospect, especially for any Canadian living near major roads or in busy cities. Aujourd'hui, notre gouvernement annonce la prochaine... Well,
2: I dispute the numbers that he's referring to. I dispute the conclusions that he's reaching on this. I think EVs ultimately will end up being much more expensive, at least in the current scenario, especially because the resale value is ultimately going to be lower because the batteries don't last as long as they need to. You're looking at vehicles on the resale market that will have extremely diminished value, in my view, in my opinion, ultimately. Gasoline powered cars, the bad, there's, you, you just keep putting gas in them. But once these EVs get to be five, six years old, the batteries, Lose their capacity, they have to be replaced. The cost of the battery replacement often exceeds the value of the vehicle itself. They're going to end up in the recycling yards much sooner than gasoline-powered vehicles. Increasing the overall price, the cost, the true cost of owning and operating an EV compared to a gasoline-powered vehicle. It's also going to make it increasingly difficult, maybe even impossible, for people at the lower end of the income spectrum to own and operate their own vehicle. So those are the uh, unfortunate realities of what we're up against and why EVs are not selling as quickly as the government Wants us to believe they are. In fact, we saw just a week ago that letter released, that open letter released by automobile dealers in the United States to Joe Biden asking the president to tap the brakes on the electrification of the auto industry because they have so much EV inventory sitting on car lots that they just simply can't sell. This whole thing is being government-driven, not market-driven. And when the time comes for people to make a purchase decision, they're still walking into dealerships and overwhelmingly choosing gasoline-powered vehicles. Stay with me. More ahead right after this.
0: Is watching.
2: And I'm back. So, still sticking with Canada for the moment. I can tell you that the Canadian military is set to invest $2.49 billion in the acquisition of 11 remotely piloted aircraft, commonly known as drones. From the renowned U.S.-based manufacturer General Atomics, this announcement coming from the federal government. Uh, but you know, these are not your typical drones. These are not like the drones you buy down at Best Buy. These are not the kind of drones that you uh, that would be used uh, on suicide missions, where you know the uh, they they're they're targeted onto um, an asset and then exploded or crashed into the target. We're talking about combat-capable MQ-9B aircraft, each about the size of a fighter jet. They will uh, be stationed at 14-wing 14 wo- 14 Greenwood in Nova Scotia and 19-wing Cornox in British Columbia. Now, interestingly, the pilot's won't be on site. Instead, they'll be operating these drones from six cockpits situated in a control center in Ottawa. According to the Department of National Defense, the initial delivery of these advanced drones is expected in 2028. With the program anticipated to achieve full operational status by 2033, the MQ-9Bs are are destined for overseas operations with the Canadian forces, but they'll also play a crucial role domestically. So picture this, they'll monitor coastlines and provide civilian aid during wildfires and floods here on the home front. In September, the U.S. State Department gave the green light to Canada's plan to acquire these drones, approving a foreign military sale request that included Munitions such as the 219 Hellfire missiles and 12 MK-82 500-pound bombs. It's important to note, though, that the Department of National Defense has clarified that these drones won't routinely carry weapons during operations within Canadian airspace. Defense Minister Bill Blair emphasized uh, the importance of this acquisition stating that it ensures Canada's, uh, Canada possesses a modern adaptable um, military that is prepared to respond to evolving and emergency security challenges. He also highlighted the drone's role in meeting the growing demand for domestic assistance. Now, $2.49 billion, that's a hefty price tag, folks. And it covers not only the drones themselves, but also six ground control stations, two brand new aircraft hangars, initial weapons for the drones, as well as training and sustainment equipment. Personnel-wise, well, we're looking at 55 drone experts stationed at uh, the two bases in B.C. and Nova Scotia, and a substantial 160 staff members manning the main ground control center in Ottawa. Additional personnel will be deployed to strategic locations in northern Canada as the need arises. So what about specifications? The MQ-9B has a wingspan of 24 meters, uh, has a 28-hour flight endurance, a range of 7,200 kilometers, and reaches a maximum speed of 390 kilometers Per hour. But there's more. The deal with General Atomics has the potential to generate nearly 700 jobs for the Canadian industry and its value chain partners, contributing a substantial $97 million per year to Canada's gross domestic product over a nine year period. So those are the numbers, those are the facts. That's what's happening with Canada's military. And as you can see, the, uh, the future of warfare, it's all digital. Drones, AI, robotics, that's the future. And I would say not just of military, but also security, intelligence, Policing. Yeah, don't be surprised if pretty soon you see a robodog cop patrolling your neighborhood, keeping an eye not just on you, but all your neighbors as well. Yeah, there's a comforting thought. Under the watchful eye of Cop. What else do we have for you tonight? Well, we've got, uh, we did that and we did that. What about breathing? You know, this is a remarkable story. Truly remarkable. Just drawn to my attention just before we went to air. Thank you, Brendan, for forwarding this. Look at the headline of this New York Post story. Humans may be fueling global warming by breathing. Yeah, literally the globalists, it seems, do not want us breathing. Because like cows, we produce methane. says here, exhaled, according to this new study, exhaled human breath can contain small elevated concentrations of methane and nitrous oxide, both of which contribute to global warming, according to research released last week in the UK. The methane and nitrous oxide exhaled by humans make up about 0.1% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions. According to this study, the gases are in addition to the carbon dioxide that humans exhale. Oh, my goodness. Just by living, I'm killing the planet. The study led by Dr. Nicholas Cowan from the UK Center for Ecology and Hydrology involved 104 adult volunteers and found that nitrous oxide was breathed out by every one of them, while 31% exhaled methane. Those who did not exhale methane in their breath still probably released the gas. Ion flatus, study said, referring to burping and flatulence. It says here, quote, "We report only emissions in breath in this study, and flatus emissions are likely to increase these values significantly." though no literature characterizes these emissions for people in the UK. Yeah. Humans fart, therefore, we are killing the planet. Assuming that livestock and other wild animals also exhale emissions, it says, of N2O, there may still be a small but significant, unaccounted for, source of N2O emissions in the UK, which could account for more than 1% of national scale emissions. Gas concentrations in the study samples allowed researchers to estimate that human breath accounts for 0.05% of the UK's methane emission and 0.1% of nitrous oxide. The study did not reveal a link between exhaled gases and diet. Stop eating beans concentration Enhancement of both CH4 and N2O in the breath of vegetarians and meat consumers are similar in magnitude, the researchers said. Based on these results, we can state that when estimating emissions from a population within the UK, diet or future diet changes are unlikely to be important when estimating emissions across the UK as a whole. So it's not even going to matter what you eat. You're still a big methane gas and carbon dioxide producer. You dirty humans. How dare you.
6: The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever Independent Voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program. For your mind.
7: sharing of biased and false news, false
1: news. has become all too common, common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming some media outlets are true without checking facts first. first. Unfortunately, Unfortunately some members, members of the media use their, their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think, and this is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
8: In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill, choose not the blue pill, for both are an illusion. Discover the power of M, the power of individuality. We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching.
2: Canada's Deputy Prime Minister went to an Islamic centre in Toronto today. Here's a photo. She met with leaders from the... uh, Muslim communities there and uh, addressed concerns about growing Islamophobia. So there's that. And then, still on that subject matter, Alec Baldwin had a rough time when he went to a protest. And was surrounded by pro-Palestinian protesters. Let me bring this up for you and I'll show you. Not a good day for Alec Baldwin. Um, he's getting some mainstream media attention as well. As a result of this, of course, he's fallen out of favor since, uh, you know, shooting that person on soundstage, that movie set. So here's NBC's reporting of this. It's uh, not the only outlet picking this story up, just to uh, show you what they're doing with it. He was escorted by police after heated confrontation at pro-Palestinian rally in New York City. There was a shouting match that took place. Actor Alec Baldwin appeared at a pro-Palestinian demonstration, it was filmed getting into a heated clash with a protester that culminated with the star being escorted away by police it's not clear why baldwin was in the area or what exactly led up to the confrontation at the manhattan rally anyway here's here's what it looks like
1: no, literally. <laughs> This is not the way I'm going to you a little of by the way. Yeah. There <laughs> you yeah. You don't get, you don't need to give the the benefit of the guy. You no, he a mm-hmm. you Guys and children. You got your you. a question is that, right? Oh, ask your I'm question. Is that your answer? Is that your answer? You ask stupid questions. Can you can never ask You questions. You 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 You
2: It just keeps escalating. It's not, 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 it's not calming down. It's just getting more heated. Let's go to the White House john kirby news conference he's bringing us up to date on what is going on with the situation in the red sea let me get that queued up for you and here we go john kirby at the white house
1: he said
9: Uh, I think you know earlier this month, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan announced that the United States would rally the international community to address the increasing threat posed by Houthi attacks on shipping in the Red Sea. Yesterday, less than two weeks since Jake was right here at this podium, the Department of Defense announced Operation Prosperity Guardian and the formation of an international coalition of countries to counter these threats. Now, ships and aircraft from multiple nations are and will continue to join the United States in conducting maritime surveillance and taking defensive action as appropriate to protect commercial ships from the threat posed by the Houthis. This operation is an important new multinational security initiative under the umbrella of combined maritime forces and the leadership of its task force, 153. And 153 is focused on the Red Sea specifically. From the beginning, we said that this is an international challenge. It requires collective and international action we've been able to bring together now a number of partners including the United Kingdom, Bahrain, Canada, France, Italy, ne- the Netherlands, Norway, Seychelles, Spain and even more to address this challenge together. Also today, in a related fashion, the United States and the world's largest flag states for commercial vessels transiting the Red Sea also issued a joint statement condemning in the strongest terms the threats and the acts by the Houthis. This joint statement has 44 signatories including NATO, the entire EU, and G7, as well as Australia, Canada, Bahamas, Malta, New Zealand, Singapore, and Yemen. Secretary Austin also convened in the region a meeting with ministers, chiefs of defense, senior representatives from 43 countries, as well as the European Union and NATO to discuss what we're doing in response to this increased threat. Now, I think it's important to put it a little bit in perspective. Some six countries border the Red Sea. The Red Sea is a conduit for 10 to 15% of all global trade, 8% of global grain trade, and 12% of global seaborne oil trade. Of this total Red Sea trade, Greek, Chinese, Japanese, and German-owned vessels make up 40 to 50% of transits. All that underscores the dependence that these economies have around the world on the strategic trade. Um, but bottom line is, these attacks have to stop. They need to stop. They're unacceptable. Uh, the United States, our allies and our partners, will do what we have to do to counter these threats and to protect these ships. Uh, and with that, we take some more.
6: Uh, the administration thought about redesignating the Houthis as a terrorist organization?
9: Yeah, we're actually conducting a review right now uh, on whether that's the the right course forward. We've talked about that. No decisions made right now. And when do you on that? I don't have a timeline for you, but we are reviewing that that designation as we speak.
6: And, and one more question: uh, There are some unnamed countries that are currently involved in the Red Sea um, uh, uh, initiative. Can uh, you say more about why the countries don't want to be named, and is it a sign that you know countries don't want to be seen? Standing with the United States at this moment, uh, you know, in the region, there
9: are some uh, nations that have agreed to participate and to be a part of this, um, but they get to decide. They're sovereign nations; they get to decide uh, how public they want that to be. And I'll leave it up to them to, to to be able to describe it one way or another. Since because they not all want to become public, I I doubt you're going to get much much more out of them.
5: And, and the last thing, I mean, given the countries want to be unnamed while participating
6: in this U.S. Uh, initiative, and are, is the is the administration concerned about United uh, yeah, States isolation on the international stage when it comes to the conflict of the Middle East, also given the Security Council uh, vote that's coming up as well.
9: I mean, well, I won't get ahead of this vote that's coming up here. We're still working through the modalities of that, but I mean, I, I mean, 44 signatories on this joint statement. Yeah, uh, 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 several nations now willing to join us publicly in this and others that, that are willing to participate in this maritime coalition. It's hard to look at these things, these things which the United States ha- has driven forward and say that we're somehow isolated on the world stage. In fact, I think what this shows is our convening power and how much American leadership matters on the world stage.
3: Thank you, Admiral. Great. We've seen attacks on commercial ships involving one or two drones in the Red Sea, but the USS Cartier took down 14 one time over the weekend we have any sense of what the houthis were targeting
9: in the broad scope ed um as i mentioned in the opening statement and the whole purpose of this maritime task force is that they're targeting commercial shipping i mean heck they've even said publicly usually
7: it's one or two
2: 14 at one time was that
7: going there they have
9: largely focused their targeting on commercial ships um but you know uh We haven't seen any specific targeting uh uh or intention to target uh naval vessels but you can't you know when a commanding officer is looking at something coming in a drone or a missile i mean he or she has to make some oftentimes split-second decisions about perceiving what the threat is and and taking them down so it can't you can't rule it out specifically but when you're talking about these 14 drones, I mean, it's not unlike it's not unlike them to launch multiple at a time. And it's difficult to know when you're knocking them out of the air. Difficult to know exactly what their intended target was. In general, and this is why we set up this task force, it is clear that the Houthis are, at the very least, conducting a, uh, a concerted effort to go after uh, merchant shipping in the
3: Red Sea. So it, wasn't, so it was definitely shipping there after that maybe a place? Again, Ed.
9: Anyway, You can't be perfectly predictive. You can detect what the point of origin is. You can detect what it is that's being fired. You can get a sense of trajectory, altitude, speed, and make make a determination about the perceived threat to your ship or other ships. I I can't rule out that there weren't terrestrial targets that might have been at play here. But again, in general, what we're seeing consistently from the Houthis are attempts to target merchant shipping in the Red Sea. And I would just, it's backed up by their own statements about what they're trying to do.
5: Real quick, on an unrelated matter, there are early reports that two Americans have been released in Venezuela. Do you have any comment or confirmation of that?
9: I I can't uh, confirm those reports. I would just tell you that uh, President Biden takes very, very seriously our obligations to get wrongfully detained Americans home, wherever they are overseas. And we work those issues very closely every single day. Thank you. Uh, the Houthis have made it pretty clear they don't care about this multinational task force. They don't care how many ships we park out there. It's not going to deter them. So is this really going to do the trick? Are you seeing any signs that this is actually going to deter them? Or is it time to consider taking military action? Well, now it just started, didn't it? And um, And there's going to be a whole lot of hardware in the Red Sea now, naval hardware, not just from the United States, but other ships, other ships from other nations to counter these threats. So, let's see where it goes. I mean, it's up up and running now. We hope it gets stronger and and is is uh, uh, we're able to add additional countries and additional capabilities to it. I'm certainly not going to telegraph any punches one way or the other. I'll say this though, as I said in my opening statement, the attacks are unacceptable. We have national security interests at play in the region. There are international security interests at play in the region, including to, to threat the shipping. Um, we take those <coughs> responsibilities seriously. We're going to continue to to do what we can to protect them. So so when they say, even if America succeeds in mobilizing the entire world, our operations will not stop unless the genocide in Gaza stops, do you think that they will actually
1: change their mind because of this?
9: That's a great question for the Houthis. What I can tell you is we are not going to stop protecting our national security interest in the region.
3: Thank you. Uh, can you talk specifically about wh- uh, why Saudi Arabia and the UAE are not part of this multi- uh,
9: multi-country coalition? I would let every nation who is a member, uh, whether they want it acknowledge it or not, speak for themselves. Does
3: the U.S. want them and other Arab countries to participate?
9: It is it's a coalition of the willing. Um, and each nation has to decide for itself uh, whether it's going to participate and under what circumstances we respect that. The whole idea here is protecting sovereign sovereign assets and, and sovereign uh, rights, and that's what we're doing here. Well,
3: have the Saudis and the UAE had any conversations with the U.S. telling them they will participate in the U.S. vaccines? I'm not going
9: to go through diplomatic conversations and, and details one way or another. Both countries are significant partners of the United States on a range of issues across the region. Again, they should speak to their their level of participation. I
3: have one on Herzog's comments
1: uh, about them being ready for another humanitarian pause in Gaza so hostages can be recovered. Uh, as far as you can tell, how many more American hostages remain held by Hamas, and does a Herzog comment suggest a pause in hostage release are imminent?
9: As far as we can tell, and I'll caveat this, caveat this as I have many times, the, the, our knowledge is not perfect, but we think there's still about eight Americans that are still being held hostage uh, with some 140 total that uh, we believe Hamas and other groups uh, hold. I don't have uh, an update for you on the progress of talks to try to get another humanitarian pause in place so that we can get hostages out. We continue to work this literally by the hour.
3: Thank you, Karine. Um, Pope Francis
0: suggested that Israel is using terrorism <coughs> tactic after two Christian-Palestinian women were shot dead by the sniper in a a Gaza church. Uh, Also there is disturbing images emerging again of hundreds of people being rounded rounded up by the Israeli army, and um, including a testimony by them saying that they're not connected to Hamas. Do you uh, raise these things with the Israelis, and can you consider them as serious incidents? Because obviously, to round up hundreds of men means that
9: a commander, a commander has to take the decision. In the aggregate, we have and will continue to have conversations with our Israeli counterparts about, um, uh, about abiding by the, the law of armed conflict, about uh, humane treatment uh, of, uh, of, of uh, detainees and fighters who are taken off the battlefield. Um, they understand those responsibilities. But yes, we continue to raise that with them. And as I said yesterday, uh, we have specifically asked questions about this shooting at the church.
0: Okay, one more question. A major news, uh, Israeli newspaper uh, know, headline is how John Kirby became one of Israeli
9: leading spokespeople. Is that OK with you to being portrayed as a spokesperson for a foreign country, even if this country is an ally of yours? I'm a spokesperson for the National Security Council and for President Biden on national security issues.
10: Admiral, is the US seeking China's help in turning the
9: attacks? Again, um, every, every nation has to decide for itself, Gabe, uh, to what degree it wants to uh, counter the, the Houthi attacks. Uh, and I think where China could be helpful, quite frankly, um, is more with the influence that we know they have in Tehran, the conversations that they can have with the Supreme Leader. Um, uh, and we have in the past, and we continue uh, to encourage the Chinese to use that influence, use those conversations, uh, to lean on the Supreme Leader and Iran to stop their support for the Houthis.
10: You know, Tehran, has the U.S.'s assessment of Iran's direct involvement or any direct involvement in any of these attacks changed? No. Well, I can...
9: All I can tell you is what I've said before. I mean, they are certainly providing the means, the the tools, the capabilities, the weapons through which the Houthis are conducting these attacks. The Houthis may be pulling the trigger, but as I've said, uh, Iran's giving them the guns.
10: And one last question, Admiral. We're about to hit a milestone of 20,000 Palestinians killed, according to the Hamas-run health ministry. I know the President before said that he didn't always trust those numbers, but does the U.S. believe that we're about to hit that milestone 20,000 Palestinians killed? difficult
9: to have a great fingertip feel on the exact figures. That said, we know that many, many thousands of innocent people in Israel and in Gaza have been killed and or wounded uh, by the conflict. We don't want to see, uh, uh, this, we don't want to see conflict go on one more day a- and it could end today. If Hamas would surrender those responsible, get rid of the hostages, or, uh, release the hostages, sorry. Uh, and, uh, uh, and immediately uh, lay down their arms. That That's what needs to happen here.
6: Okay. I know you said uh, a minute ago that you didn't want to get ahead of the Security Council vote. Does that mean the US is still determining how it will vote on this resolution? We're still
9: working through the modalities of the resolution. That's all I'll leave it. Can
6: you say probably what the US hopes to accomplish at the UN through this resolution? Okay, again,
9: I don't want to get ahead of a resolution that hasn't been voted on yet, Kevin. We're still working through the modalities of that. Um, uh, it, it's important uh, for us. Um, that,
1: the,
9: that the rest of the world understand what's at stake here, and, uh, and what Hamas did on the 7th of October, and how Israel has a right to defend itself against those threats. Okay.
6: You talked a minute ago about the support that the U.S. has seen from its allies in terms of the Red Sea. At the same time, over the weekend, we heard the U.K. and Germany come out in support of what they called a sustainable ceasefire. That's similar language that we've heard from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, we've heard France call for an immediate and durable ceasefire. The president is someone who came into office talking about restoring alliances, the importance of being on the same page uh, as our global partners. Is he at all concerned that there's a risk? The U.S. seems out of step on this particular issue with some of its closest allies. No,
1: as
9: a matter of fact, as I said, I mean, um, uh, across the board, uh, we're seeing how important American leadership is on the world stage here. Uh, every nation can speak for itself, um, but, uh, but France and, uh, and uh, the United Kingdom are terrific, close allies and friends. That's not going to change. Um, and as I've said before. Again, I I can't speak to the nuances in what they've said. What we've said is we don't support a permanent ceasefire at this time. It would simply validate what Hamas did on the 7th of October. It would leave them in power in Gaza, which is unacceptable to us and to our Israeli friends. Uh, And of course, it would give them um, a, a much longer timeline to prepare and plan additional attacks. We do support smaller, more localized, more targeted humanitarian pauses to get hostages out and to get more aid in.
10: Go ahead, Jane. Jane. Oh, oh, thank you. I uh, thank you, Karin. I can hear you. I have two questions. Uh, North Korea Kim Jong recently series of uh, uh, ballistic missile launches and uh, meeting with uh, Russia, China,
1: and North Korea's uh, foreign ministers. How do you view all of this?
9: We have seen. Um a, a growing desire by Russia and China, certainly, but in, in, to some degree, including North Korea, to um, increase and improve their, uh, their communications with one another. Um, uh, these are three nation states which bristle, bristle at the rules-based order that the United States and our allies and partners have helped stabilize here and put in place since the, since the end of the Cold War. We still believe that that rules-based order matters.
3: Um, and
9: and that there are certain nations that would like to to act in ways inimical to that uh, order. Um, That's why the president has, for his part, worked to shore up our alliances and partnerships uh, in the Indo-Pacific to a degree that we've not seen at all in in, in so many recent years um, and to improve uh, and deepen our security cooperation with the Republic of Korea and with Japan. I mean, Jake was just out there in Seoul, as you know, talking to uh, his counterparts in both countries. So we're comfortable that we're moving that process forward.
10: Uh, Kim, Jong, uh, I'm sorry. Kim Jong-un criticized the uh,
0: United States, South Korea, Japan, missile warning information
1: sharing. And uh, Kim Jong-un threatened to attack the United States
7: with uh, nuclear weapons. If uh, Washington
6: decided the uh, wrong direction how will you
9: react to this? I'm not going to get into a hypothetical. Jenny, you and I have talked about this a billion times. We take our responsibilities seriously to our uh, uh, allies, Japan and the Republic of Korea. We recognize the growing threat uh, that uh, Kim Jong-un and his regime uh, present to the region, and that's why, as I said, we're doing everything we can to revitalize those alliances and partnerships. We've added military capabilities to the region, including intelligence collection capabilities, uh, and that's not going to change. Look, we, we've said before, uh, we're, we we would be willing to sit down with uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un without preconditions to start to talk about the denuclearization of the peninsula. That remains the case today. He hasn't been uh, been able or willing to take us up on that offer.
7: John, it's been a few days since uh, Putin said Russia wants to reach an agreement on the return of my colleague, Evan Kerskovich, as well as Paul Whelan. Has that led to any uptick in the number of calls, conversations between the administration and Russia, and is there any updated outlook uh, from the administration on whether their their release may be secured in the next
9: few weeks or in the near term? Well, with the caveat that I won't talk about the specifics of negotiations lest I say something here publicly that could put them at risk, we have made a serious proposal for Evan and Paul uh, recently, which was rebuffed by uh, by the Russians, regardless of what Mr. Putin says just isn't true. They actually did rebuff it. Uh, and we, uh, we haven't given up. We haven't stopped working on it. Uh, and I can tell you that we are uh, working uh, very, very hard to see if there's another avenue that we can approach, another option that we can pursue uh, that can maybe get both of those men home
11: with their families where they really belong.
4: Christina. Thank you. Uh, Admiral, uh, the
11: President's support for Israel, the position on Israel seems to be losing him support among Americans as well. Could it be a messaging problem that
4: they just don't understand
11: the importance of supporting Israel?
9: I can't speak for every uh, American citizen. Um, I can tell you just a couple of things. Uh, uh, The president doesn't make national security decisions based on polls, he makes it based on principles. And there are some core principles that are at stake here. Of course, Israel's right to exist as a nation and to defend their their citizens against attacks like that that happened on the 7th of October. He knows that there are strong feelings. On all sides here. And he appreciates that. He respects that. and um, and our our team has been in touch with communities all over the country um, uh, about uh, about those feelings, about those concerns. we we do take that seriously. And that's why, in addition to making sure that we can help Israel defend itself, we are also leading the world in terms of trying to make life better for the people of Gaza right now. We are we are the one country that has really led the effort to get, additional humanitarian assistance, and obviously we have partners helping us, but I mean, it's it's the United States really pushing and convening uh, those discussions to get humanitarian assistance in, and we continue to talk to our Israeli counterparts, as Secretary Austin did yesterday, as Jake did a few days ago in Tel Aviv, to be more careful, more cautious, more deliberate in the way that they are pursuing their military operations, particularly as they now gravitate more uh, to the south, and they have been receptive to those messages, and as I've said many times, they have taken some actions to be more careful.
4: Thank you so much. Uh, we've heard various proposals for international trusteeship in post-war Gaza,
10: including one from former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, who suggested—let me say this carefully—an international peacekeeping force drawn from NATO countries and overseen by the
3: UN. Um, how do you feel about that? How does the White House feel about that? Or would you like—would you rather see trusteeship under, you know, Arab missions? I
9: don't think we're at the stage right now where we can endorse one particular option or another. Uh, what we believe. As I've said before, is that uh, whatever post-conflict Gaza looks like, it can't look like it did on the 6th of October with Hamas in control. We do believe that the Palestinian Authority can and should have a role here. Uh, but we also believe that the Palestinian Authority you know, has some work to do in terms of revamping and revitalizing its, its own structures, its own organization, its own leadership approaches so that it can be uh, credibly involved in, uh, in governance uh, post-conflict for whose auspices they should do that under? Uh, Again, we're still working our way through the modalities of what that can look like, but we do believe that the Palestinian Authority uh, can and should have a a significant role in terms of what governance looks like in in Gaza post-conflict. And
1: then on the naval mission, um, how does the White House see the scope of it, and how do you keep this from metastasizing into a larger, wider conflict? it's going to be scaled
9: to the threat. And right now there's an increasing threat by the Houthis in terms of drones and missile attacks on commercial shipping. So again, we're grateful for the countries that have signed up to support this. We'll see, you know, it's just now getting started. So it's too soon for me to say that, uh, what its trajectory is going to be, whether it's going to get much bigger or need to get much smaller or where it's going to, or or how its operations are going to be conducted. But, um, this is something that international navies know how to do and know how to work together to, uh, uh, to, to counter, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. But it, it is an important body of water, an international waterway for global commerce. Uh, and we have to, all of us, not just the United States, all of us have to take that responsibility seriously. to keep that free flow of navigation.
2: Okay, we'll uh, pull out of this. We have other breaking news for you. Donald Trump has been declared ineligible under the 14th Amendment to run for president in 2024 in Colorado because of the January 6th riot at the uh, U.S. Capitol or demonstration or protest or whatever you want to call that thing that happened on January the 6th. Um, Colorado Supreme Court brought down that ruling just a short time ago. In the ruling, they say, quote, "We conclude that President Trump engaged in insurrection." The justices wrote in their four to three ruling. It goes on and says again, quoting, President Trump's direct and express efforts over several months, exhorting his supporters to march to the Capitol to prevent what he falsely characterized as an alleged fraud on the people of this country were indisputably overt and voluntary. Moreover, the justices continued, the evidence amply showed that President Trump undertook all these actions to aid and further a common unlawful purpose that he himself conceived and set in motion prevent Congress from certifying the 2020 presidential election and stop the peaceful transfer of power. In light of this, the ruling goes on. It says, again, quoting, we conclude that because President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3, it would be a wrongful act under the election code for the secretary to list President Trump as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. So this ruling has been stayed until January 4th and an appeal is likely. Trump, of course, has denied that he has done anything wrong. And has attacked the Colorado 14th Amendment Challenge and other such lawsuits against him all over the country as baseless and, in his words, anti-democratic. Also tonight, an ex-Proud Boys leader has been sentenced to over three years in prison for his role in the J6 event. Charles Donahoe, after being arrested and charged, ended up cooperating with the authorities. He's the second proud boy to plead guilty to conspiring with other group members to obstruct the January 6th, 2021 joint session of Congress for certifying President Joe Biden So there's some indication here that his sentence could serve as a bellwether for others who are facing similar charges, other Proud Boy members who are also charged. Donahoe is 35 years old. He's from Kernersville, North Carolina. He, as part of this process, wound up apologizing to his family, law enforcement, the officers who We're on duty on January 6th and, in his words, America as a whole. He said, again, quoting here, I knew what I was doing was illegal from the very moment those barricades got knocked down. So he's getting three years and four months in prison. Could be eligible for release in a month or two because he gets credit for the jail time he has already served since his arrest back in 2021. The judge says uh, Donahoe seems to be doing everything in his power to make amends for his crimes. He said, I think you've got all the ingredients here to put this behind you. That's what the judge said. Donahoe was he, as I said, he's a past president of the Proud Boys chapter in North Carolina. He was a lieutenant of former Proud Boys national chairman Enrique Tarrio. He has been sentenced to 22 years in prison, the longest prison term thus far for anyone charged in connection with the J6 incident. Here's, um, I've got some video queued up here showing screen recordings of what was going on with the Proud Boys during the J6 event Let's take a look and see what that's all about. I haven't really even had time to fully review this yet, but this should be, to say the least, interesting. So here we go. So what do we look uh, There's some video clips here. It says Aaron of the Bloody East. says, good, make their life a living hell. And then there's F them. Let's take a look at this. Some of this could be graphic just to let you know, because there is a warning on this. And as I say, I haven't had time to really properly vet it, but I think we're okay taking a look. It says, uh, Aaron of the Bloody East. He wasn't there, I guess. He says, I should have quit my job and came. And then some other guy. It a uh, form a spear and we are freezing up. I should uh, resume here in a moment. Give it just a second, the internet's slow. Well, I hope the internet's gonna cooperate. While we wait for that, let's take a little break. I'll be right back.
12: The sharing of biased and false news, news has become be all
1: too common, common on, on social media. media. More alarmingly, some media are true without checking facts first. first. Unfortunately, Unfortunately there are, so, many many are their, their platforms their to push their own personal
8: bias and agenda to control
1: exactly
8: what people think. And this is
1: extremely dangerous to our democracy.
8: In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill, choose not the blue pill, for both are an illusion. Discover the power of M, the power of individuality. We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching.
2: All right, let's give this another shot. Should equipped my job and came, it says, and it's freezing up again. <laughs> a a storm, the
1: building. USA! 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 USA!
13: fucking do it man fucking do it let's go
2: Well, he's already served his time, basically. He'll be, I expect that Donahoe will be out of prison within a month or two. I would not want to be in Enrique Tarrio's shoes. 22 years. And who knows what's going to go on with Trump. An appeal coming up. They're playing with fire. They are really playing with fire if they... Prevent him from running, they are going to have some very angry people to deal with, some very angry Americans. I just don't know. America Fest is in full swing in Phoenix. And a few social media influencers making a big splash down there among them roseanne barr who raised some eyebrows and also got some some applause and cheers from the crowd when she took uh communism to task in this speech at america fest
3: stalinist Communists
11: with a huge helping of Nazi fascists thrown in,
1: <laughs>
11: plus one caliphate to replace every Christian democracy on earth now occupy do you know that and that is the truth and nobody died in the holocaust either that's the truth yeah it should happen six million jews should die
4: right now because they cause all the problems in the world but it never (laughs) happened
1: wow
2: uh-huh I hadn't actually vetted that either so yeah that's uh I can see why that's raising some eyebrows also at America fest <laughs> oh my god um also at America fest well here's Here's one of the openings moments. Some fireworks. We'll share that with you. America Fest in Phoenix. This is what it looked like. <laughs>
5: To America Fest, everybody is
1: great.
2: Also, making a splash is um, this organization, New Federal State of China. That's uh, a Steve Bannon endorsed group. And they are based in the United States, but have the the stated objective of taking down CCP, China. And we have, what's this gentleman's name from the NFSC? Ray... Roy Guo, he's this this guy who took to the stage and delivered this address, not only outlining what the NFSC is about, but also claiming to have uh, intelligence information about the CCP and China that... um, Well, these are just allegations, so I don't know how much weight to give this stuff. But this is getting some some traction. The NFSC is is getting more and more attention focused on it. They're growing and becoming a political force in the in their own regard in America and China. So here he is
10: from the new federal state of China. We're Chinese, but we are the opposite of the Chinese Communist Party. I have one message to convey. The Chinese Communist Party does not represent China or Chinese people. It is the enemy of Chinese people, American people, and the people of the world. Our story can be traced back to 1989, Tiananmen Square. Our founder, Miles Guo, was arrested and jailed for supporting the protesters in Tiananmen Square. Alongside him, there were more than 60 people arrested. Those heroes were killed, executed, right in front of Miles. He could never forget the look in their eyes. It was a silent plea for someone to continue to carry their legacy and bring democracy and freedom to China one day. <laughs> Miles survived, and many years later, he started a movement that the whistleblowers movement with sole purpose of taking down the CCP. <laughs> he started to reveal all the intelligence on the CCP, the heinous plans of the CCP. Of course, as a result, he became the most targeted and persecuted Chinese dissident, but he never stopped fighting. Chinese people are the biggest victims of the Chinese Commerce Party. As we speak, millions of Uyghurs are jailed in concentration camps. Tibetans and youth are victims of pedophilia and organ harvesting. Hong Kong protesters or any other people who dare to speak against the regime will be disappeared, silenced, and executed. As we speak, over 400 million forced abortions were executed since the CCP adopted one child policy. The Chinese people never had a chance to vote for their government. They never had the right to own land. They never had freedom of speech, freedom of religion, or rule of law. They became more than slaves of the CCP kleptocrats. But I'm here more than just sharing our own stories. I'm here to prevent our stories becoming American stories. The CCP has already infiltrated almost every aspect of the US life. It has launched an unrestricted warfare against all of us. It unleashed a deadly virus that killed millions of innocent lives. It's fentanyl export, is killing 300 American people per day. It spread the spy balloon above us and it's spying operations are almost everywhere. In media companies, big tech, scientific institutions, universities, Hollywood and Wall Street. It's behind wars in Ukraine and the Middle East. They formed a new axis of evil alliance with Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Your pension funds, your educational funds, your savings are being invested in communist China right now. And the total number is a whopping $7 trillion. And Xi Jinping is more than ready to confiscate that money and give that to the terrorist groups and fan the flames of conflicts and seize the perfect opportunity to invade Taiwan. For the past eight years, miles and the whistleblowers from the NFSC have exposed the truth around Hong Kong crisis, HNA group, COVID, and COVID vaccines, and many more. Those warnings were not taken seriously enough. Every time we revealed this kind of information, I had hoped we were wrong, because if the information is wrong, a lot of people wouldn't have to die or suffer. But in the long run, it has always been proven verified as true. And today, for the first time ever, I have three specific pieces of exclusive intelligence to share with you, and I urge you to listen very carefully to what I have to say and verify for yourselves through time. Number one, you may have already heard the secret bio lab in California. Actually, the CCP has already finished building 11 P3 bio labs in the Middle East, Africa, and South America. They have the capability to manufacture and unleash new viruses at Xi Jinping's command That's the same kind of virus that already killed 6.5 million people. Number two, CCP's military installations. The CCP has already deployed 3,500 ballistic missiles, the DF-10A series, in three countries in the Middle East, worth a total of $50 billion. There are 2,000 more currently in transaction and will be delivered to those regions. They even have production lines for those missiles in those areas. Additionally, the CCP has built no fewer than 20 nuclear ICBMs. It deployed DF-41 series with nuclear warheads. They can reach the mainland U.S. or any other country. Number three, the Chinese Communist Party is behind the terrorist group in the Middle East. In Iran and Syria, the CCP has already built an army of 20,000 mercenaries ready for combat and to join Hamas and each individual will be paid $10,000 per month by the CCP. And there are another 20,000 mercenaries ready to be deployed in the event of escalation between Israel and Hamas. The intelligence I just shared with you is brought by NFSC, thanks to the courageous whistleblowers inside China that risked their lives to bring those messages. And we invite you to witness the validity of the information through time. In the past, we have provided many similar pieces of intelligence to authorities. The information should have been disclosed by the U.S. government, but due to CCP's infiltration, it failed. So we now have to come out and speak out. As our revelations continue to be verified, we now hope American people can join us in eliminating the Chinese Communist Party. And we're not asking you, we're not asking you to give us money or arms or die for a revolution or wars. All America needs to do is very simple. Stop supporting the Chinese Communist Party. And decouple from the Chinese Communist Party technologically and financially. And leave the rest to the new federal state of China. And we assure you, we ensure you the elimination of the Chinese Communist Party in China. Today, hundreds of millions of people have joined our causes. The majority of them are working covertly in the party in China and supporting us. We have 21 chapters around the globe, and we are more united and determined than never. And I truly believe soon enough, we'll stand atop the Beijing Pangu Plaza again and push Xi Jinping the dictator on a Nuremberg trial for his crimes and make it the devil's last night that night we will see the end of the evil communist regime that night we will reunite with our loved ones and that night for the very first time in history of that soil we will see a free china a new china the new federal state of china thank you
2: so that's at america fest and ted cruz also speaking there pick up that senator ted cruz at america Fest. also also sounding the alarm bells on communism here's ted cruz
7: the interesting thing that my father told me about the cuban revolution is it was all people like him. It was all 14 and 15-year-old boys who didn't know any better. And one thing to understand, Marxists always, always, always start with young people. If you look at every communist revolution across the face of the globe, from Russia to China to Cuba to Nicaragua. They always start with young people who are passionate, who are idealistic, who are ready to fight. And in many instances, who lack the life experience to have wisdom and do not realize the lies behind Marxism. That is why y'all are so dangerous. Because you have the youth and the passion and the vitality, and you don't have your head stuck up your rear end.
6: So,
2: yeah. Got to say, those comments from Roseanne Barr took me by surprise. And alarming. Alarming. Very concerning. Also seeing some pushback here tonight from, again, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith with regard to the federal government's more refined, or shall I say, uh, the, the further explanation and the, the re- revelation of details in their Electrification for the auto industry plan. Uh, Daniel Smith coming out now saying that it does not take the welfare, the well being of Canadians into account. She has also said that the government's EV plan is unconstitutional. In addition to that, just uh, of note, She recently came out with an apology for the way the unvaccinated were treated during the pandemic. Let me just roll that for you.
3: The community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital. or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. That's a pretty extreme level of discrimination that we have seen. I don't take away any of the discrimination that I've seen in those other groups that you mentioned, but this has been an extraordinary time in the last uh, year in particular. And I want people to know that I find that unacceptable, that we are not going to create a segregated society on the basis of a, of a medical choice.
2: And... Um... Yeah, so as you know, that is a, an older clip, and she took a lot of flack over that. And that swings back to Roseanne Barr's comments, because Daniel Smith was then criticized for saying what she said, because it. there were those who said that it wasn't near, that the, the, the you know, Jewish people suffered much more and well you know how the, all that went um i have to say as well that at this point at seven well we're over we're an hour past due for sean buckley joining us here tonight to discuss that nci final report um, so it doesn't look like he will be uh, coming around again tonight so that's uh, second time that we had him lined up and no show. So don't know. Don't know what's happened. Um, Maybe we'll get him on another night. Uh, So I apologize for that, folks. Beyond my control. We had a confirmed time and day and just isn't happening. So I don't know what else to tell you. I was really looking forward to digging into that final report with him, and uh, to get some idea of uh, what might happen next. Anyway, um, let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back on the other side of this.
0: Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick news. Maverick news. Defending free speech. Free speech donate at freedomreporters.com do it now tomorrow maybe too late too late too late, too late. maverick news the, the world, world is, is washing
4: Bells, Trudeau smells, Biden laid an egg, Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal, but tomorrow is a brand new day, hey everyone, have a merry maverick Christmas, and a magnificent new year.
2: Already seeing some reaction to that court decision out of Colorado, which could remove Donald Trump from the ballot in that state. And here's a post from Matt Wallace saying, Do you believe a civil war will break out if they remove Trump? from the 2024 ballot and that post right there, that one already in a short time, hitting 65,000 views on X. Let's go over to truth social and see if Donald Trump has posted anything there himself. Not seeing anything. Another couple of posts here. Let's just, uh, I'll just bring this up so you can see what's going on on his Truth Social account. He'll be posting something with regard to this. Let's take a look and see what's most recent. So it says, it's a sad day for America when a low-life prosecutor like deranged Jack Smith, who was put into the position of special prosecutor by Lisa Monaco and the other thugs that surround our incompetent president, crooked Joe Biden, selling my reputation for the purpose of election interference and ideally put me in jail. In that regard, they are doing poorly. So they snuck a wired D.C. swamp lawyer, Michael dreben who I've beaten three times into their midst, hoping that he can turn things around because of his judicial connections. dreben Monaco, Smith, Wiseman, and all the rest suffer massively from Trump derangement syndrome. In other words, TDS, in other words, and for reasons unknown, they hate me. Hmm. Let's just back it up and uh, see if there's another post here. It says, so now we've reached a point when a president of the United States has weaponized the Department of Justice as though we were a third world country. They don't want to run against me and never have. I am leading in the polls by a lot. And based on the results of the failed Biden administration, This will continue, but justice weaponization is a very dirty game to play, and it can have repercussions far greater than anything that Biden or his thugs could understand. They ought to withdraw all of their fake political indictments against their Republican opponent, me, immediately. This is a Pandora's box that works two ways, and it should be closed and tightly sealed right now. Withdraw your political indictments and lawsuits, Joe, before it's too late.
1: Yeah,
2: definitely playing with fire. (sighs) Never seen such division in the United States before. Never seen that before. Never seen it before. Not like that.
13: There we go, this is Trump speaking in Waterloo. I don't know if you feel it, you have a war, there's a war. Under crooked Joe Biden, Christians and Americans of faith are being persecuted and government has been weaponized against religion like never before and also presidents like never before. (laughs) I always say Al Capone was treated better than I was treated. Scarface, Al Capone, he was a tough one. Biden and his corrupt Department of Injustice have sent SWAT teams to arrest pro-life activists. They've targeted conservative parents at school board meetings who don't want filth taught to their children. It's filth. What they're teaching in schools is filth and nonsense, and we can't let that happen. But they're being targeted, and now the communists, Marxists, and fascists are going hard after Catholics even plotting to send spies into Catholic churches, it's all come out, just like in the Soviet Union from days gone by. Now think of it, if you're Catholic, why would you vote for a Democrat, what they're doing to Catholics? I don't know what's going on with the Catholics, but they're really being persecuted. Why would you vote for Biden and why would you vote for a Democrat? A new report from the House Judiciary Committee proves that the Biden FBI actually targeted Catholics as potential domestic terrorists. Do you believe this? And you know, uh, evangelicals will not be far behind because when that starts, it starts happening on a very major scale. When I'm back in the White House, never again will your government be used to target Christians and other religious believers. Upon taking office, I will create a new federal task force on fighting anti-Christian bias to be led by a fully reformed Department of Justice that's fair and equitable. Its mission will be to investigate all forms of illegal discrimination, harassment, and persecution against Christians in America. They are going after Christians in America. Who who's, can believe all this stuff? It's not believable, is it? But it is fact. It's just like so many of the other things when I stand up and I say that we will stop. And I've said it. We will stop men from participating in women's sports. I mean, the whole thing that you have. No, but things that you you say that you say that you can't believe you're up here and uh, and saying it. We we are for parental rights. You have to say that. No, no. Think of it. We are for parental rights. Who believes it? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, who would ever have to say a thing like that? We're for parental rights, of course. We're for parental rights. But the Democrats aren't, they're fascists, they're not. They want school boards, they want people to take your children and do things with your children that are not even speakable. Americans of faith are not a threat to our country. Americans of faith are the soul of our country, and they have been from the (laughs) beginning. I will defend religion, and I will defend, in God we trust. We, we will defend, in God we trust, which is... And you know that very important phrase is under siege. You do know that, right? We will defend it 100%. When Joe Biden lit the national Christmas tree earlier this month, he completely failed to even mention the birth of Jesus Christ, which is hard to do if you're celebrating Christmas, Right? He didn't mention Jesus Christ in his remarks. Not for three years he hasn't mentioned that and barely mentioned God. When I was president, we brought back the beautiful phrase Merry Christmas. And I said I'd do that. I'm very proud of that, actually, because as I said at the beginning, it was really under siege. And when I lit the Christmas tree each year, it was my honor to publicly celebrate the true source of uh, Christmas joy, which is Jesus Christ. As president, I kept every promise I made to Christians and more. And I think everybody in this room understands that very well. That's pretty well documented. In our first four years, we appointed nearly 300 federal judges and three great Supreme Court justices. I stood up for religious liberty at home and all around the world. I protected innocent life and I defended the Judeo-Christian values of our nation's founding. I proudly recognized Israel's eternal capital and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem, which is a big thing. I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and, you know, they were looking to get that for 72 years. They'd fly in, they'd fly out, they'd fly in, they'd, every year they'd fly in, they'd discuss it, they'd fly out. And I got it done in about 12 minutes, we got it done very quickly. And with the historic Abraham Accords, I even made peace in the Middle East. Unfortunately, they haven't taken it any further. It should have been taken. We could have had everybody signed up. It's no wonder crooked Joe Biden and the far left lunatics are desperate to stop us by any means necessary. They are willing to violate the US constitutions at levels never seen before in order to win this election. Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. It's a threat. They're weaponizing law enforcement for high-level election interference because we're beating them so badly in the polls. The new CBS poll, remember, I always used to talk about polls, but only if they were good. I don't mention them if they were bad. I had a tendency if they were bad, I didn't talk about them, right? I don't know. That's probably sort of like a little bit like the fake news would do, so I feel very embarrassed by it. But the new CBS poll just out has us at 58% of the state with the sanctimonious, forty points behind us, forty points. <clears throat> the new morning console poll—that's in your state. The console poll has us at sixty-six percent nationwide, with the Sanctus at eleven percent and Haley at eleven percent. And then they said Haley is surging because she went from nine to eleven. I went up seven points, she went up two points, and it's harder to go up seven when you're almost at the top. There's not that many points left. So I went up seven, she went up two, and the headline was Haley is surging because she caught the sanctimonious. The Fox poll has us trouncing the primary field at 69% with the sanctus at 13% and Haley at nine. And, you know, it's sort of interesting. He did an interview the other day and the uh, announcer, this was sort of a straight interview at a major network. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honor to have Governor Ron DeSantis with us? No, no, it's DeSantis. So that's good branding. Do you agree? That's good. Nah, but he is sanctimonious. In the new Rasmussen poll of the general election, we're dominating by 10, 11, 12, even 14 points. And the Washington Post had it up 11. And then they said, oh, there must be this must be an outlier. They spend a million and a half dollars on a poll, the Washington Post, and they panic. They say, this must be an outlier. This is the first time anyone ever had a poll, and they said, we think our poll must be wrong. But we have even better numbers than that. No, they're going crazy. But none of this matters if you don't show up to support us on January 15th and again on November 5th. So it's, again, the same thing. you got to show up. Even if you think we're going to win by a lot, you got to show up. Because winning by a lot, lot is uh, very meaningful. Even as countries watch from afar, because we would never have any of these problems if I were president, but when they see the kind of support that we have, we have incredible support. We have more support than we did in 2020 or 2016, and we did great. We won 2016, and then we did, then we did even better by a lot, by millions and millions of votes in 2020. It was a rigged. Of- okay,
2: so let's go to, Yeah. Jeez. I don't think we're going to get banned for him saying that, but we might. They just, I don't know. It just, oh man. Censorship. I know that YouTube has changed its policy on the, you know, how we're supposed to, they're dealing with the, uh, the comments surrounding election integrity. But as soon as he gets on that rant, he puts this puts the whole channel in jeopardy. Thanks, Donald. Um, <laughs> can't win, man. Yeah. Like it, it, it's such, it ha definitely has a chilling effect on coverage. It definitely does. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. um, I can also tell you that in uh, there's another breaking story tonight. Uh, declassified documents from U.S. intelligence agencies say that China has been intensifying efforts to influence the political landscape in the United States and did so during the 2022 midterm elections. There's a 21-page report released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, released today. And it suggests that Beijing may see an advantage in exploiting divisions within American society. Well, I've shown you other intelligence documentation and uh, assessments in exactly that same vein from both Canada and the United States over the past six months right here on this channel. According to the assessment, the Chinese government has tacitly approved efforts to try to influence a handful of midterm races involving members of both U.S. political parties. However, the specific races affected were not disclosed in the report. It also notes that China believed Congress would maintain an adversarial stance towards Beijing, regardless of which party held power. This marks a significant shift in Beijing's approach to U.S. elections as a similar intelligence assessment after the 2020 presidential election found that China refrained from the interference efforts due to perceived risks of being caught meddling. The report suggests that China may have been emboldened in 2022 as officials believed they were under less scrutiny during the midterms and did not expect severe retaliation from the current administration, unlike in 2020. Chinese officials also saw an opportunity to exploit divisive issues such as abortion, gun control, and others, to portray the American democratic model as chaotic, ineffective, and unrepresentative. So there were other findings as well. The assessment revealed that the Russian government aimed to denigrate the Democratic Party before the elections, primarily using social media influence tactics to undermine support for Ukraine, well, the overall scale and scope of foreign interference, according to this report, in the midterms exceeded that of 2018. There was no evidence of a foreign leader ordering an influence campaign similar to Russia's in 2016. Hmm. So this report also highlights a shift in foreign governments strategies with a decrease, decreasing focus on targeting US election infrastructure, intelligence analysts suggest that online influence operations may have a greater impact, and the increased resilience of US systems could make election infrastructure a more challenging target. US officials and cybersecurity experts have warned about the evolving tactics of foreign countries, including Russia, Iran, and China, who now use proxy websites and social media influencers to shape political narratives. So what's down the road? Well, American officials and cybersecurity experts say that they anticipate sophisticated influence efforts leading up to the 2024 U.S. presidential election. They believe that These kinds of efforts will take place on different online platforms compared to previous years, reflecting a changing social media and political landscape. Director of National Intelligence, Averill Haynes, has emphasized the importance of understanding these challenges that lie ahead, stating, quote, as global barriers to entry lower and accessibility rises, Such influence efforts remain a continuing challenge for our country and an informed understanding of the problem can serve as one defense. So it is a real thing. It's become increasingly apparent to me that it's a real thing. Definitely seeing fingerprints of foreign governments on A variety of propaganda, info war campaigns, and even elements of the giant psyops that are taking place online. Definitely some foreign fingerprints on there. Not to say that these foreign actors are always the instigators, but once these things get rolling, they definitely... Uh, often get involved and push the rolling snowball of information warfare one way or the other and direct it in ways that can serve their purposes because they get involved in the social media information stream. That's largely the way that it's working and intelligence sources looking at this as well, and there's their assessment. So you can take that for what it is worth. And uh, make your own assessment based on the information provided. I will say, I, I think that we're in a really dangerous place with this upcoming election. If they don't if they don't let Trump on the ballot talk about volatile. Also tonight, Dozens of documents that name Jeffrey Epstein's victims and associates are going to be made public. Next year. This order. Actually came down yesterday. It comes from Judge Loretta A. Preska. It's the latest filing in a settled case by Virginia Roberts Greffray, an American woman who claimed Epstein sexually abused her. And while she was a mi- while she was a minor, and the Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's former girlfriend and longtime accomplice, aided in that abuse. As I'm sure you know, Epstein was indicted back in 2019 on federal charges of operating a sex trafficking ring, in which he allegedly sexually abused dozens of underage girls. And then he got Epstein'd in. Uh, in prison. Never went to trial, as you know, because he's no longer with us. Dead. He was a multimillionaire. He died officially. The official cause is suicide. So they're going to release a lot of these documents. Sometime early in 2024, so next year. Some of the documents to be released include information of those who have died, including one person who died back in 2018 but was widely associated with Epstein and was featured in photos at Epstein's island residence, Little St. James and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And these documents also include lists of people who were, were associated with Ghislaine Maxwell. So we'll see where all that goes. And we'll see who's on those lists. I've seen a lot of lists posted online and I think a lot of them are just fake. But as we get uh, get these documents out there in the public, I think we'll start to get more facts. And then we'll see who's who ends up embarrassed in the, the public spotlight. Yeah we'll take a, a look at where things are going. Stay with me. We're going to go to the phones when we come back after this.
0: Maverick News, the world is watching. We are Mavericks. We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bunce. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News.
3: The world
0: is watching.
2: Ready to rock and roll with the phones? You can join the conversation at 1 975 3733. That's 1 975 free. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975. Free. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us.
0: Exile. The Knights of Malta. Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching. is watching.
2: Okay, so again, you can join the program by calling in at 1-833-975-3733, 1-833-975-3733. You want to talk about the uh, the Red Sea and whether the United States is taking the right actions there by trying to secure those shipping lanes in the face of those Houthi drone attacks, you want to talk about Israel, Gaza, you want to talk about Trump and whether, you know, there, there might be more civil unrest if he's prevented from being on the ballot in Colorado. You want to talk about um, the electric vehicle mandate requiring that all vehicles in Canada be all new vehicle sales, be EV by 2035? No more gasoline-engined vehicles by 2035. Is that realistic? Can it happen? What are the obstacles? How will that affect our economy, our way of life? We can talk about anything you want tonight. And we are about ready to rock and roll with the first callers. So let me get... uh, Get these guys on the screen. Start pumping that audio through. All right. Here we go. And our first caller of the evening is the man himself. Here he is. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Yo. Hello.
12: Hello you can hear me everybody out there you can hear me so I hear Canada is going to send in a contingent of uh, naval vessels probably canoes or kayaks into the Red Sea
2: yeah yeah they're on board
12: what's our Navy look like right now like our Air Force right (laughs) yeah (laughs) It makes me sick, man. Really, it does. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. You know, uh, China, I really like what that guy had to say about China, really.
2: Canada it has 68 true. ships in total. Six? Yeah.
12: Are they really ships or are they little frigid frigates?
2: I'm just looking it up. Um. And as of 2018, I'm not sure how accurate these numbers are, how current, but 68 in total. So, yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of, like, destroyers of Halifax-class frigates. The HMCS Frederican is a Halifax-class frigate. There's a lot of information here for me to absorb in a short period of time, so... I don't want to speak uh, without being very factual about this. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of ships, but a lot of smaller well, you know, ones.
12: You know what I think about Canadian politics, especially today? <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that?
2: I did. Sounded a lot like Niagara I flushed Falls. the
12: turd. Flushed I turd. flushed the turd.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
12: and that's where he belongs. <laughs> I hear a lot of people out there, Civil War, this and that. I don't know, man. I don't know what to make of any of it. It's, uh, I don't, I really don't. But when Gilbert, Bay is that, what's that Gearbox. What What's E-Bow, his name?
2: Yeah.
12: E-Bow. Gearbox. Okay, we'll call him Gearbox because that's what he is. For him to sit there and say, oh, yes, uh, yeah, the forcing people to buy the ev mm. okay you can't force people on how to spend their money and that's what chrysler's ford's and gm we're in a pickle right now the whole industry is rick if you search and find people like me yeah okay that work in the industry it's going to be uh all the same there's nothing going on and the reason why is these evs and if they're sitting on the uh, the car lots not being sold who's paying for that at the end
2: yeah it's it's a big problem yep. um they're they're pushing this stuff and it's not working already and we're just getting started
12: we'll be doing some runs this year yeah
2: you know what the hold. post it, you posted this video i guess it was today or maybe overnight of santa claus is that is that Santa? Say this again. is that a that's a very familiar looking santa claus leo
12: Well, run it. I'm in the lunchroom. I can't even see what you're gonna run.
2: Yeah, here, let me Yeah, I got my
12: I got my new suit in.
2: Okay, let's take a look here. Where do we go? Here we go. Okay.
10: Great one. Yep, you're live. Oh, 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 oh. Merry Christmas. Let me tell you something. Santa Claus will be doing some runs
12: this year. You got little kids, get a hold of me, you know how to get a hold of me. Nobody thinks Santa like me. Believe me. I'm the best Santa in the world. Look at this.
1: I just got a new uniform
12: in today. Oh, how oh, oh, oh. do you like my
1: cream?
12: So this is Christmas time here at the Lusier Residence. Look at that box. Oh, oh, oh. Is that mine? Merry Christmas. <laughs> that better be mine. No, you can't even look. Why not? So here we go. We got the boots. We got the belt. So we got the whole suit, baby.
11: And we got a reindeer for Junior. I might do something
12: at Imperial Gifts and Decor. Welcome to No. Sometime this week. I'll let you guys know. Come in with the kids. You want to see Santa? I'll be there. Tell <laughs> <Ciao>, guys.
2: <laughs> That's great, Liam.
12: What's funny about that was last night when I got home from work it was only like 11.30, 30, right? And uh my daughter came over and I just my wife cooked burgers and there was one burger left, something you know, the dogs all got burgers and she laughed. So my daughter says you got to open up your Christmas gift. I said, "Don't even bring it to me. I'll open it Christmas, right? No, you yeah. got to open it now, Dad. You got to open it now." So I'm thinking it was dinner in the box, uh-huh. right? And when I opened it, it was a new Chris uh, Sandy Sandy suit, right? And I was like, "Okay, we got to put it on, do this." That's awesome. But you know what? I've been playing. I've been playing Santa probably for at least 15, 20 years. Right? I got to thirty-five nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Right, and when they were all young, and then friends, and this and that, and I tell you a good story. I go do this uh, th- this this house. uh the, It was full of Vietnamese people, right? Yeah. yeah, and uh really good, really really good people. They say, "Leo, can you play Santa?" I said, yeah, like a champ. So I go over to the house. Well, they tell me next door that so and so lives next door. So they got little kids too. So I knock on the door. They answer the door. Ho ho ho! I go ho 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 ho. They let me in the house kids sitting on my lap. Okay. They offer me a drink. I go outside 20 minutes later after it's done. And the guy goes, who are you? They didn't even know who I was. (laughs) I "You let any old dirty Santa in your house. And I pull off the beard. They just started laughing. Go Leo. That's the best. I never even figured it was you. (laughs) Right. So I said, you let any dirty old Santa in your house on Christmas Eve. Right. So yeah, it's it's, you know, it's for the kids. Right, uh, and uh, even yeah, I put it on and I walk around Walmart and shit like that. I, I do my shopping in my Santa Claus suit on Christmas Eve. Right? I'm like you, Rick. <laughs> I yeah. don't do my shopping till Christmas Eve, and you'd be surprised if you did a survey on how many guys don't start shopping. We're last minute shoppers. Ninety percent of, of males. Yeah. Okay, and and yeah, we don't start till Christmas Eve. So yeah, you know what? I enjoy it.
2: I, I, I walked around Walmart. I tried to do a little Christmas shopping today, and I came home empty-handed. <laughs> I walked around. I just looked at stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what to buy. So I came home. <laughs> I'm not efficient well, with Christmas shopping. I'm
12: just, you know what? I, I just hope there's no confrontations with me in my Santa Claus suit with the, you know, hmm. right the Palestinians and this and that, uh, cause it's a sign of Christianity or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, cause they start giving me static, you're going to see Santa Claus throwing the fisticuffs on Facebook live. Right. <laughs> and they, uh, that'll go, that'll go viral folks, because I'm not going to put up with the shit and you people, you, you people out there, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not going to put up with their bullshit. If, you know, you, for them to go into malls and scare people and little kids. and You know, I, you showed the one part last night while I started investigating after your show. And I seen the full video of mm-hmm. the people in the store. They had to lock the fucking doors, people. Okay. And then take them in the back. There's stairs at every store there in, uh, in Eaton's. Down the stairs and out the back way. You know, these people are only shopping. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's a form of terrorism.
2: Yeah, and the people working in those that. stores, they're all just making minimum wage or a little bit more. You know, right. it's like they're just running the cash registers and stocking the shelves, man. Like, you know.
12: Yeah, yeah because, because the name says Zara, and it's a Jewish name. Uh, you can't work there. Like, who are these people to tell anybody, period? Yeah. You know. And that's where, that's where you draw the line, right? And for the government not to step in, you know, I've lost faith in the government. What, what, what has to take place here? These guys got to start throwing hand grenades in order for the people to step up because the government ain't going to do shit. You know, once that happens, they'll be segregated in their own little communities like Palestine and every fucking city and stick your head out and watch what happens.
2: Well, the, what that guy said was a crime. That's a threat. And he did it right in front of the that's cops. That's threat, and they did they, a death threat, and that's that's a that's an offense. And the cops did nothing. Yeah,
12: nothing. Not didn't even pull the mask off them to get an ID.
2: Yeah,
12: you know you could get a visual. as the mask off. Okay, uh, and they didn't even go to that those extents. Now, what I seen last night, and they said, "Oh, well, the police probably thought they were to get uh, swarmed." From what I seen last night in the other videos I was watching, there was a lot of police. Mm-hmm a lot of police and the police have a thing called what a Glock on their side. Okay. They got tasers, they got bear mace or uh, the, the the pepper spray and all that shit. Okay. Now, I don't know. All I know is that if you were a white person and you were pulling that shit, you would have been locked, popped and sealed. No questions asked, you know? So you know, this is a big plan, and Trudeau, he's, he's, I don't know, I think he's afraid.
2: I think those cops were afraid. I i would be <laughs> yeah. I would be kind of afraid, too. It's a big crowd and um, pretty aggressive. Uh, we're we're well, this is not uh, looking good. I'm, well,
12: it's not, because a lot of these people are coming from countries where they know everything about ammunition and weapons, okay? Uh, you know, at 10 years old, they're firing RPG rocket launchers. Okay. They know how to load a rocket launcher in all nine yards but in North America. Well, maybe in the United States speaking, okay. They know how to play that game, but not in Canada.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty right. passive up here. That's for sure.
12: Right. So to see that, you know, who am I? You know, like, I don't know. I'm just a Christian Canadian boy. I got nothing to do with what's going on in, in, in Israel or in Palestine. Nothing. Zero simple.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
12: Right. So, you know, for them to swarm people in the way that they are, that ain't cool at all, man. really. And for the government to stand by that.
2: No, and I think that's sickening. a huge mistake. The, the The government police should not be tolerating any of it. They should be dealing with it like nipping it in the bud, because as soon as they tolerate it at all, then it becomes a much bigger problem. It just allows it to fester and, and spread. It's no good. Right. You can't do that can't do it
12: it's called giving an inch right if they yeah. give them an inch you're going to take fucking a mile okay yep. we all know that yeah right and uh you, you know they could say whatever they want to say about to the the, the the trucker convoy we were nothing like that
2: no and
12: okay nothing no, like that not that and um, uh you know imagine you can... lexi lee Zexy Lee. Yeah. now lexi imagine lexi lee that if she was at the eaton center yesterday at sarah shopping that happened mm there'd be a $300 million lawsuit. (laughs) She would have been scared. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't know. Like protest
2: all you want, but you you don't go around threatening to kill people like that.
12: (laughs) No, you know, I don't care how you word it. Uh, As soon as you said, I'm going to put you six feet under, what's that mean? Yeah. I'm going to put you six feet under, under where?
2: Yeah, and you can see, building, and uh, you saw the expression under my that, car that one police officer's face. Right, he was shocked, and you can tell he was concerned, scared. scared. He looked well, scared he, to me.
12: He should be. Yeah, he should be. There's more guns. There's more guns in Toronto than there is in Palestine.
2: Yeah, probably.
12: One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Everybody's packing heat. Okay, I mean, it, that's a fact. You know, and, and they know it. The police know it. You know, that's why nobody fights with their fists anymore, even in Windsor. You that's why you hear about the shootings and the stabbings. Because nobody's got the balls to be a man and stand up and take a, you know, mm-hmm. take your lumpings or give your lumpings. Yeah. You know, it turns into you know goes goes right to the extremes, right? You know, I'm telling you, Toronto has a lot of guns. Ask any of your callers from Toronto that grew up in Toronto, they'll tell you. Yeah.
1: That's
12: why I treat people with kindness, uh, what would I say? With kindness and uh, be patient with people, especially this time of the year. Because if you go off the handle, somebody could go off the handle too, and you don't know what they have, right? So scary yep. times. Indeed. All,
2: All right? right. Thank you, Leo. Appreciate your time as always. Have a good night. Great call. All right. Let's move Bye-bye. on to Pam. Hey. Hello, Pam.
11: Hello, Sir Richard. (laughs) Woo-wee! I just want to say, I'm I'm calling about uh, several things, but I'll keep each one of them short. short. One of them was Roseanne Roseanne Baugh's show that you showed today, or clips. Those were clips because I've seen her in previous videos Mm -hmm. where she talked about the Holocaust and the concentration camps, she is fully aware that they are real. I've been to them. Or I've been to one, at least. Mm-hmm. And um, so is Alice in your chat, which I was okay. glad to find that someone else went there. But anyways, that's one of the things. Now, the second thing is, I think Jeffrey Epstein, is a very good possibility that he could be still alive. And I'll tell you why, if you'd like to hear. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. so here here we go. Now, if I were president, and he obviously got caught and apprehended when Trumpy Bear was president, and he went to a prison. Now, if there's an information war going on, and the other previous government under Obama wants to close Gitmo, I would say, all right, I don't think he'll be safe in that prison where he is now, and we want to secure him, and we've rebuilt Gitmo and made it larger, and so I think I'd put him up in an airplane over international waters, beat the heck out of him until he starts talking and get more information from him and who else is involved and starve him for a little while. I know this sounds cruel, but war is war. And then I would say, all right, now deprive him of water and all the, and all those things for a day or two. And then take him to Gitmo, give him the option, take him to Gitmo and make him talk in in the flight in the meantime. And so anyways, I was thinking about that when this was all happening. And so what happened? I didn't trust the news on how he died. And so um, there are two different stories going on. And I said, oh, they're probably all lying." And so that's what made me look into it a little further. And so then I was watching also a veteran who has a show called Monkey Works, and he shows aviation flights. And he showed a path on that day going over exactly where I thought it would have gone over. And it did. And it stayed in the air for quite a while, and then it went to Gitmo. If you're going to have an enemy, you do not want to kill him. You want to extract information from him and who else is involved and get more names. And I think that is a good reason why he may not be dead. So it may be an absolutely ridiculous reason, but that's my theory right now. Okay. Now, the other thing, the last thing I wanted to say is something that you might find rather interesting because you can show it on your screen. I was watching something earlier today and they said, with war raging in Gaza, Christmas in Bethlehem has been canceled. And they show a picture of of the nativity scene and the store. And you should pull that up because it's quite shocking. I mean it's not anything it's on YouTube and mainstream media, so it's not anything you can't show, no dead bodies or whatnot. Mm. but you should show that picture okay it's called with it's called with war w a r raging in Gaza comma Christmas in Bethlehem. Has been cancelled.
2: Is this the one from NPR?
11: Uh,
2: Yes. Okay, I'll show you. Here we go. There it is. Uh huh. Yeah, Jack. Jockman enjoys telling customers that every day is Christmas in his shop, which features handcrafted olive wood nativity scenes, blah, 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 blah. Um, But there's no Christmas tree or sparkling lights in Manger Square or along the cobblestone streets that should be bustling with foreign tourists this time of year. There will be no Christmas parade with musicians weaving through the old city's labyrinth walkways. No Santas on street corners, dolling out joy to children. Instead, the main square is a simple parking lot without a hint of holiday decoration to be seen. Mm
11: -hmm. Yes, but go back to the picture and let everyone have a good look at that.
2: The very first one?
11: The picture with the baby under, with hama, a colored... Colored with Hamas Hamas clothing, like the scarves they wear in the Palestinian protests, black and white.
2: Um. Well, the picture picture that I'm showing is that. That's are you? Can you see the screen?
11: Yes, but it was on the top. It was the very first picture there. That one.
2: Which one? This thing. Can you blow it up? Over on the left. Yeah. That's that's a picture of a tank. I believe. No, no,
11: you've got it. I'm, I'm seeing it on your screen now. There's a baby in rubble and rocks. Yeah, it's just... And it's uh, wearing the Hamas.
2: Okay, well, I mean, it's... Um, yeah,
11: it, it, it's, a, it's, a take, it's a take on the nativity where, where they yeah. used to show Jesus in a nativity scene. Now yes. they've got a baby doll wearing a Hamas scarf.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a political statement for sure. Oops, hang, hang on. I, I got you off the screen there for a second. There we go. You're back. Uh, okay. yeah, I, mean, I don't know what else to tell you.
11: I know. I was a bit stunned by that. But, you know, this is just a breakdown of, of getting away from Western civilizations' uh, mm-hmm. celebrations. And uh, that's all I want to say, except for mm-hmm. I've made more more cookies you know, for Christmas,
2: but um, that's, that's it. Well, thank you, Pam. I appreciate you calling tonight, as always. Good call.
11: All and right, yeah, you take care. And Merry,
2: Merry Christmas, Dom, Pam. Thank you. <laughs> okay, see ya. Bye. All right, so we're going to drop out of that. I've got one more thing to share with you in a Christmassy vein tonight. Let me just uh, click on that.
1: Let me just uh, run something here while I pick up this call. Hang on.
4: jingle bells trudeau smells biden laid an egg klaus schwab's deal has no appeal but tomorrow is a brand new day hey everyone have a merry maverick christmas and a magnificent new year
12: Sharing of biased and false False news news has become become all too common common on on social social media.
1: media. More More alarmingly, some media are true without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda control to control exactly what people think, and this is extremely dangerous to our democracy.
8: In an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill, choose not the blue pill, for both are an illusion. Discover the power of M, the power of individuality. We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm join our quest for truth truth will set you free maverick news the world is watching
2: okay so on the phone that was our guest for tonight apologizing for missing the interview just some crossed wires and everybody's busy and that's all of that was so now it looks like maybe we're going to have sean on on friday to talk about the NCI final report. And uh, certainly, again, looking forward to that. Very important stuff. And I know all you guys have been looking forward to it. So just look ahead to Friday, and we'll do it then. So there's that. But I want to share this with you because it is Christmas before we sign off tonight. Um, This is from a friend of mine, Ken Powell. Doesn't know I'm running this but he posted this on Facebook and I just, I loved, I loved it. Uh, I I came across it last night. So I'm going to share this with you because I think this is awesome. And it's very Christmassy. And uh, I'm getting, you know, I'm turning into Scrooge in my old age. I have to say Uh, the the Christmas music thing, I, I don't know what it is, man, but it's like, uh, I, I'm just, I'm finding the Christmas music is annoying me. <laughs> is it just me? I, I'm, I just like it quiet now that I'm getting older, I guess. And it's just like, I don't want to be rocking around the Christmas tree all the time. I just want to sit in a chair and be quiet and maybe just look at the lights or something. But anyway, That being said, this Christmas music didn't bother me. This Christmas thing I thought was awesome. And I said, as soon as I saw it, I said, i got to share this with you guys because this is really what Christmas is all about. This is a big part of what Christmas should be. This is a a thing with with kids. Christmas play. And uh, um this is, this is it, man. This is, this is, no, well, just watch it. Cause I, I love it. Christmas, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Love all you guys. Catch you on the flip side.
3: This has been a Maverick Multimedia
4: Productions.